I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... So we're building a national network of local daily podcasts and newsletters in cities around the country. And we've just launched in D.C. recently the Daily Morning Podcast and a Daily Morning Newsletter. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. Our guest today is David Platts. We're excited to talk with David because he is the CEO of something called CityCast. They're a local media company now in 10 cities, including our own Washington, D.C., that's running a podcast, a newsletter, and a local flavor that matches the city. Gee, what a surprising idea, right? Remember, we used to have newspapers that did that? But we talk about the death of local news uh, and its fate and how CityCast and other types of corporate organizations are filling the void of the culture of the city, what's happening in the city, what news is being generated in the city, and why that city is special. But by running many of them, they can share the economics. It's a great idea and a great execution, and you're going to love this conversation. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. So CityCast is the latest and greatest effort for a city like Washington, D.C. to have coverage, digital-based and stuff like that, that matters to people. Is that a fair summary, or am I off base? That's part of it. That's part of it. It's actually a national effort, of which D.C. is part of it. So we're building a national network of local daily podcasts and newsletters in cities around the country. And we've just launched in D.C. recently with a daily morning podcast and a daily morning newsletter. And the idea is in just 15 minutes of a podcast, we're going to help you feel more connected to the city, help you stay in touch with what's going on in the news, but mostly help you feel like this is a city which matters to me. I can be part of it. I can participate. And then we have a newsletter which will help you do that even better. So uh, I used to work at AOL back in the 90s, and we tried this with Digital Cities, as you may recall, which was ill-fated. Then Tim Armstrong did Patch, if you remember that cycle. And I don't bring them up like, this can't work, but I- I'm sure there's some lessons learned in those arenas. What what have been some lessons learned that you and your colleagues have found? Yeah, Patch is still around, actually. Patch is, Patch is I believe, a profitable business, yeah. although probably it hasn't earned back all the capital that was invested. Correct, in it, I correct. Um, but I think... Uh, one is we are not trying to replace what the local newspapers are doing, right. even what WAMU is. We're not a news-gathering organization. We don't have the horses for it. So we have very lean teams. It's just four people in each city that we're operating in. And the idea is not it's, – it's, it's, it's not to be the comprehensive news-gatherer. It's to try to – pick out the things that really matter to people and highlight them and celebrate them and make people feel more patriotic about their city and not try to be a comprehensive news operation. Um, and so it's a, it's a cheaper, it's cheaper in that way. And to really focus on two media, podcasting and newsletters right. that are super connected media. So podcasting is the most intimate community building kind of of medium that exists. And people love podcasts. They're deeply connected with podcasts and with podcast hosts. And that we're really trying to build on that emotional connection that people make with a podcast. And a newsletter, similarly, very lightweight to produce, very easy to get. People love, people, people, anyone who opts into a newsletter has a really positive feeling about it. So, so we think that the focusing on those two media and not trying to be comprehensive 
will allow us to to uh, build something that really works as a business and really helps the community. We're talking with David Plotz. That's his voice. He's the CEO of CityCast, just launched here in Washington, D.C. Also uh, runs Slate Political Gap Fest. But how do you choose cities for CityCast, and where was Washington in the lineup? We're, so we're now at 10 cities. Congrats. And, and thank Is you. Is Washington number 10? Uh, Washington was number Sorry, seven. didn't mean to put you on it. Number okay. seven. All right. That was we we choose cities. Well, we started with Denver and Chicago because we wanted perfect cities that were growing, that were big, that were that had engaged citizens. And then we've expanded and we've picked some cities that are really small, like Boise. We're about to launch in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, and then some cities that are kind of mid-sized but growing, like Salt Lake and and uh, and Portland, and and then Maine or Oregon. Oregon. Got it. Oregon. Should we do Maine? I think Maine's a little. Portland, Maine's might be too small. A little precious up there. Yeah. Um, and DC, DC, we left a little bit, um, and we didn't get into it as soon as we should have. But it's a great market. It's huge podcast listening here. People are fascinated by the city. A lot of transplants. A lot of our audience is transplants. People who come to a city like want to know about it, want to yeah. learn about it, and and especially in the podcast listening demographic, which is younger and more transient. There are a lot of people like that in D.C., and we're seeing fantastic growth here. Mazel tov. In, in, I love it. in the audience. So that's been, a, that's been really encouraging. So Boise, uh, some friends from D.C. just moved there. I, I think it's like 800,000, Some to me, an eye-popping number of residents in the greater Boise area, number one. Number two, lots of transplants, as far as I could tell, from that, yes. their perspective, and a an, an odd and maybe challenging mix of political views in Idaho you know, and Portland, the blue dot in, in a red state. What are some ways that politics and the challenge of that have have challenged your colleagues as they start a city up? That is a great question, and I and I Boise is a fantastic example because we we saw the the huge growth in that in that market, and we saw the number of transplants. And but you're right that a lot of the transplants are very politically conservative. It's people who are who are fleeing they perceive liberal parts of California and getting to somewhere which is more accessible to their political uh, well said views. Yeah. And 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 it is true that our podcasts tend to I would say our podcasts tend to lean to the left, not out of intention, but we have a young and pretty progressive staff. And when you hire young and progressive people who live in cities, you tend to get politics that are a little bit more to the left. That actually isn't true in D.C. Our our the way it's working out in D.C. We have a I would say a really interesting mix. We have hosts, two hosts, one of whom is. I would say more progressive. One of whom is less progressive, and it's and it's a fantastic uh, dynamic. And point have, counterpoint, huh? Yeah, and we you know we're we're covering issues that that are you you would say might be a more conservative position in in the city, and we have some where we're taking a position that's more liberal. That's the voice of David Plotz. He's our guest today on What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. We're talking about his company, CityCast, of which he is the CEO. Also, Slate Political Gab Fest, a bunch of other stuff. So. How did you? I know you were at the Washington City Paper, so you have some roots here in the in the in the capital. How, kind of, how did you get here? I noticed also you'd raised some money from Airbnb at another stop in your career. So walk us through how you got here today. Sure. So I'm a native Washingtonian. I'm born and bred. Well, I wasn't born here, but I've been lived here for I'm now almost 53, all except six months of my life essentially, and worked at the City Paper. Deep roots. I was part of the founding team at Slate, one of the original online. Uh, publications, eventually was the editor there. Then I went left and was CEO of a great media travel company called Atlas Obscura. Uh, and 
then after I left Atlas Obscura, we took a huge investment from Airbnb. I wanted to do something new. Pandemic was starting. And Tim O'Shaughnessy, who's the CEO of Graham Holdings, which is a fantastic, huge local Graham company. Graham is in Graham, right? Graham is in Graham. Graham we all know here in Washington, exactly. D.C. Exactly. It's the Graham family. And Tim has been the CEO, I don't know, about eight years. And he is somebody who's really interested in local media, as the, the company obviously has a long history with the Washington Post. They own six local TV stations, but they're also really interested in audio. And so Graham Holdings had been owned the largest podcasting data analytics company. They had been the largest investor in this huge podcasting company, Gimlet. And Tim and I started talking, and he he asked the question, why is it that there hasn't been in local podcasting the same kind of success that other forms of podcasting has had, that sports podcasting or that political podcasting or storytelling, invest in science, like all these subjects. Why has local podcasting not taken off in quite the same way? And he thought if we build a national network and we build it around daily and local, uh, there was a real business opportunity. And so that's what was the birth of CityCast was an idea of Tim O'Shaughnessy's that were you know, that I've been building on. And we're now, as I said, we're now in 10 cities and we hope to be one day in 50 or 100. Is Baltimore in your plans? That's my hometown. So so please be gentle. Uh, Baltimore will one day be in our plans. It's not yeah. right now. It's number 49. I know. Come on, you can yeah. tell me. Well, I think the interesting thing about Baltimore is this is one of the reasons we how we make a decision is that Baltimore um, has the Baltimore banner, this new digital media startup. Yes. And so they there are a lot of great journalists Yep. who've been bid up to very high wages in Baltimore. And it's hard it'd be hard to launch there because you'd have to go find someone and pay them more than than this highly funded digital startup is paying them. Well said. I hadn't even thought about that. And I know the founder of Baldwin Banner, and we're all helping that he, I guess, mimics ProPublica. And actually speaking of ProPublica or the model, you are a for-profit enterprise, correct? We are for-profit, wholly owned a for-profit company that's part of Graham Holdings. And is advertising revenue today the majority of how you get profit, or what, what are some of the revenue streams? Well, we are not profitable yet, so, it, so it's very Understood. much in an investment phase. Shocking. But our revenue is 100% advertising right now, but it, it will not be. So we are both a – so we'll have podcasting uh, ad revenue. We have a newsletter. In New, D.C., our newsletter is called Hey D.C. All our newsletters are called Hey. And so we have newsletter advertising. Uh, and then we're, we'll, we will have a subscription or membership program, um, but we have not launched that yet. We'll probably launch it late late next year would be the start. David Plotz, CEO of CityCast, joining us here in What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. So from city to city, do your city managers, whatever you call them, do you, do you share stories? So if I'm listening to the podcast about Boise, I might hear about something that happened in Washington, D.C., or is that to come? We've done that a little bit. So our lead producers in each city do check in with each other. But you, we tend not to do – what will happen is we'll do a story in Boise, and the Chicago team will hear it and think, oh, the same phenomenon is happening in Chicago. Let's redo it for Chicago. Not we're going to run exactly what ran in Boise because that, that was Boise-focused. But they will take that topic and run it in Chicago. And so it's more topic inspiration than it is we're exactly uh, doing exactly the same thing. It turns out to be pretty complicated to produce a podcast that will work in Boise and in Chicago at the same time. You really have to do it separately. This is David Plotz, the CEO of CityCast, joining us here on What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. When we return, we're going to talk about the difference between news and public interest, which I'm sure they face every single day. More after this.
Every week on What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how business in the region is keeping us competitive. If you are a DC insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. to What's Working in Washington. Our guest today is David Plotz. He's the CEO of CityCast, which is a 10-city media company covering Washington and nine other cities with both a daily podcast, a daily newsletter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. David, welcome back. Thank you. So um, we teased in our prior set of conversations about local news and what it takes to be a local news entity. And you said you guys are lean and mean, so it's not like you're competing with the local news uh, entity like Channel 9 here in D.C. Mm-hmm. or the Washington Post. But the death of local news is something we all share. The, the, the sadness over the death of local news is something we all share. Uh, crystal ball, um, do you see either your company becoming more engaged in local news? Do you see new models of revenue generating or self relatively self-sustaining local news uh, providers coming to the fore? What's going to happen? I'm incredibly bullish about local news. Way to go. You're like uh, the only guy that's been bullish here. Go for it. Uh, I'm incredibly bullish for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, I believe that our company is going to be hugely successful. But also, if you look around, and, and Axios is the most uh, uh, vivid example of this. Axios has this tremendously successful network of newsletters around the country. And those newsletters, and I'm now a consumer of a bunch of them, are excellent and are recasting the news in those cities. They're doing original work, but also uh, reframing and, and gathering and aggregating things in a really smart, excellent way. And those will make people feel more connected to, to their cities. We've also seen this, this efflorescence of digital local startups. Uh, DCist was one such, but in, in Denverite in Denver, Baltimore Banner will be one in, in Baltimore. And those have a chance to, to kind of build a nonprofit model for this. Yeah. Um, I think there are uh, sports, um, local sports startups that are doing really interesting, good work, in, especially in podcasting. And and then I think, you know, you have something like us, which is a lean podcasting operation, uh, which as we grow and as we add staff, we'll be able to, to be news gatherers and and news analyzers in a deeper way, in a more comprehensive way. I also think that the national politics is so poisonous in this country, and it is so hard for people to tune in to national news. There, Obviously, people watch national news there and their core you know, passionate audiences for it. But for a lot of people, it's just painful to spend time paying attention to national politics. It's so agonizing. We're so divided. 
local issues are ones that matter to people, they care about, and they can engage with without it feeling like you're in a toxic swamp. I know D.C. is a toxic swamp, but— I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but, but these local issues and and feeling connected to your community is something which which transcends partisanship. It transcends the kind of red-blue poisonous divide that is that is so redolent in everything else in this country. And news consumers are eager for something that isn't what is happening, you know, with, you know, this particular loathsome person or not. They want to connect to something in their neighborhood because it's something they can control and it's something that doesn't feel toxic. From your lips to God's ears. So seriously, I was a, a TV anchorman for a CBS affiliate in West Virginia way, 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 way back. And for us to cover the local school board meeting, cameraman and microphone it was a it was a production and now as we all know technology has made that so much easier and cheaper but somebody still has to go to the board to the school board meeting what's your sense of the collision between cheap technology making a lot of gathering easier and better and you have to have people doing some of that stuff is there you, you mentioned agglomerators like axios which which is in some way in my opinion in some way sort of a filter as much as they are a generator of news coverage is it some kind of blend in between? Won't there always need to be somebody at the school board? Yeah, there will always be need to be somebody at the school board. One thing that's happened is that that citizens can gather the material at the school board. Got it. So in Chicago, there's this amazing outfit, which I'm now forgetting the name of, which sends citizens to every community meeting, and they are recording information. They're not providing spin on it. They're saying, here's what happened at this meeting. Yeah. Sometimes they're putting up audio. Sometimes they're putting a written account. There's no reason why they couldn't gather a video and right. post all that up. And then other journalists can take that material and and repurpose it and analyze it and you know put put it together. And so so I do think there's this way in which we can draw on the citizen energy to to be a feeder mm-hmm. and a and a funnel for for professional journalists to work. Yeah. Um, but it's also the case that there's a lot of stuff uh, that doesn't get covered and probably will be covered less. So crowdsourcing, though, or I call what you yeah, just yeah, described exactly. crowdsourcing. Um, can definitely work. But I'm also interested in your view on how technology is able to skew the news. Forgive the term deep fake and, uh, and, and some of the other tactics that are showing up. Have you guys ever bumped into a deep fake event that, that, that faked you out? Or are you conscious of it? Or am I a couple of years too paranoid, so to speak? Uh, I don't am think, I two years ahead of being paranoid? I don't think we have run into deep fakes at CityCast for the local issues that we are covering. Do I, as a person who's been in media for 30 years and who looks at what's happening internationally, worry that that's about to happen? Yeah, I totally share that worry. Yeah. We have not yet run into it. But yes, is that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Atlas Obscura, you're, uh, you were mentioned it earlier, uh, investment from Airbnb. I think the New York Times said they were an investor and stuff like that. Obviously, I guess, obviously traveler-oriented, correct? Yes. Will travel be a an advertising revenue stream to tell the folks in – Salt Lake, Salt Lake, they should visit Washington, or Washington should visit Denver. Uh, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe that will be. Maybe that will be. We certainly want someone. If someone's in Salt Lake and they decide they're moving to Denver, we certainly want them when they go to Denver Got to it. know there's a city cast for them that's going to give them that same sense of uh, of connection and welcome welcomingness that yeah. there was back in back in Salt Lake. Yeah. So. Um, I, I mentioned uh, digital cities. We appointed a mayor for each digital city back in the day. That was an employee, you know, huh. of, of, of AOL, but they were called the mayor of Denver. Um, how do you organize each city, and are there sort of cross pollination between the management of each city 
uh, as far as back end, finance, stuff like that. What, how, how does it end up working? So each city has a team of four. So it has a lead producer, it has a host, it has a, a main producer, and then it has a newsletter writer. And so each team has that. But then there's a there's a back end where we uh, consolidate a lot of functions that that are, would be expensive to do if you're doing it in one city, but if you spread it across right. ten. So we have. We have um, a, a technical director for the whole team. We have a marketing person who covers the whole the whole country. We have ad ops that does ad ops for every city. And so that is how we think this business works. We don't think – I think if you said I want to start in one city a for-profit business creating a daily local podcast and newsletter, I think it would be really, really hard to make yep. it work. Yep. But doing it across 10 cities where we can consolidate the back end – where we can sell national ads. So we can sell local ads, but we can also sell national ads. In fact, probably most of our revenue, if I had to guess, will be from national ads. I was going to ask, yep. Uh, then that makes that makes the economics start to make sense. If you can reach a, 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 a credible audience size for your newsletter and for your podcast, it feels like the, that mass of people you get nationwide who are also – demographically attractive because podcast listeners are demographically attractive. Yep. And then you have this local audience, which you can uh, in- sell intense local engagement to for certain local advertisers and a subscription model to. We think that that will work. So I was involved with a, a website that <clears throat> the street.com, if you remember them, a financial website, yep. Jim, Jim Kramer's uh, yep. company. And we had the argument about having a sales force going out and visiting Fidelity or just buying eyeballs through all the conglomerators and, and, and agglomerators that exist out there. Are you participating in the sort of the eyeball agglomeration arena for Pizza Hut, for instance, for National, but you also can brag about local eyeballs that matter in Denver? Or are you still sort of figuring that ratio out? Well, r- right now, we don't even have a sales team. I'm, we're just starting So it's going to be figured out. That, it will that's be okay. But we do. We are part of Spotify's ad network. So, Got yes, it. there are – I don't know if they're Pizza Hut ads, but there's Close definitely yeah. Pizza Hut a la Spotify ads. Uh, and But I think the real specialness will be those those national eyeballs, like you can get them anywhere, right? And they're all the same, or national earballs. Uh, nicely. But, I have not heard uh, that. <laughs> or hairballs. with it. Hairballs. Yeah. The, uh, the local, but this, the, having this locally engaged audience is ultimately, I think, what will – make us distinct because the local you cannot get that local engaged audience everywhere. And so if you're if you're a cultural institution in DC, yep. if you are a car dealer in DC, if you're a law firm in DC and you just need to reach people who are really kind of engaged citizens, yeah. like you there are not that many places you can do it and and a podcast ad as I don't know if you voice your own ads, but a podcast host read podcast ad has a kind of connectivity and intimacy that n- almost nothing else in media has. Howard so. Stern and Snapple, right? Drove the brand. Uh, we all know that that story. It's unbelievable. So we're in Washington, D.C., and we're coming up on a midterm election, so I'm told. I, I've been hearing a little bit about this. Do you take political advertising? And if so, do you have different rate cards? How, how does that play out? You know, it's We've just been having this internal debate. We have not yet had a political ad that has we've, – we've, we've had some that have come through a network. We would definitely take political ads. But unlike our regular ad, so a regular ad for uh, a local uh, a local film festival, our host would read that ad. Our host will never read a political ad because that seems confusing. Yeah. But we will take those political ads. Of course you would. So and those are, bring them on. Yeah, bring them fresh, on, Mayor Bowser. Stream. Yeah. So it's David Plotz, the CEO of CityCast, also uh, host of Slate's Political Gap Fest. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. But our next visit, we will. 
But, David, we asked all of our guests here on What's Working in Washington at the end of our show, um, if they ruled the world, what would they start doing that is not currently happening or maybe reinforce something that is currently happening? Or what would they stop happening that is currently happening that upsets them? Your answer. Um, I think I would stop having the Winter Olympics and have two Summer Olympics. The Winter Olympics is filled with these sports that are really lame and not really sport-like. And the Summer Olympics is filled with sports that are incredibly competitive, energetic, and also that the whole world can participate in. Whereas the Winter Olympics, it's just like Norway and, and Russia compete in that. And so get rid of the Winter Olympics, double Summer Olympics, and and probably that solves like 60 or 70 percent of the world's problems right there. There you go. So uh, fascinating. You may have heard Jerry Seinfeld once said that he was watching the luge and it looked like the only involuntary uh, that somebody gets, got shoved down into the tube. He said they, they should instead of the bobsled, it was just Bob. <laughs> which I was was a very good, very good description of the luge. To your point, I've never met a loser. Have you ever met a loser? No. No, but I've met a runner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So David yeah. Plotz, that's a damn good one. We're going to give that top tick on David Plotz's uh, answer to what would you stop doing or start doing? His contention: stopping the Winter Olympics and having two Summer Olympics. David, tell our listeners where they can find CityCast here in Washington D.C. or they, anywhere. They can go to dc.citycast.fm or just go to citycast.fm. Or just email me, davidplotz at gmail.com, and I will make sure you get hooked up. That's P-L-O-T-Z, David Plotz, CEO of CityCast here in Washington, D.C., city number 8 out of 10. Congratulations on your company. We wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and I hope that our show continues to give you some enlightenment, some information, some actionable intelligence, and hopefully some enthusiasm about what works in Washington, D.C. If you are a D.C. insider and want to know what leaders in other industries are talking about, we give you that insight. So thanks for listening. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. We want perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. You can reach out through our website or through Twitter. Many of our guests have come to us from others who say, hey, if your show's about people who are really getting things done in the region, you should really be talking to dot, dot, dot. And we love bringing those new voices to our audience. We look forward to hearing from you. What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.